Hi, everyone, and welcome to Bad on Paper podcast. I'm Olivia Mentor. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today is our June book club episode, and we're talking about Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros. This book has gone so viral. I am so excited to hear what you think. I'm so excited to hear what our listeners think. I did get a couple of DMs telling me that people were excited because I was worried that people were like, this choice is just too, too far in left field. No, I think people are very excited. Well, before we get into it, tell me your high. My high, other than being here with you and recording in person, (laughs) of course, which we haven't done this in, I don't know, like since September, maybe? It's been a while. It's been almost a year, basically. But things have been crazy. But anyway, my high is that Jake's parents came to visit us and our town ended up having... They called it a strawberry festival. I wouldn't say festival was the vibe. It was more like just 10 people in a train depot eating fresh strawberries and homemade waffles. Do you live in (laughs) Stars Hollow? Are you in Gilmore Girls? It was really cool. There are only a thousand people in the town that we live in. And there's a really old train station that hasn't been operational for like 70 years. Anyway, they are trying to fix it up. So they host these little events in the summer. And so they made us little waffles and put strawberries on. I learned some about the history of the train station. This is so cute. Um, It was really cute. And then I got there and she's like, oh, I told her we moved into so-and-so's old house. And she was like, do you want to run for town council? (laughs) I was like, you don't even know my name. Wait. But but yes, I do. (laughs) Wait. Are there town meetings? Uh, there's got to be. They have to plan the Strawberry and Waffles Festival. You need to, to go. benefit the you need, train depot. You need to go. <laughs> I might do it. So I need to go. It, they're having a blueberry. I want to run for a blueberry town festival in July. So you're welcome. But yeah, it was really fun. What's your high? Okay, I finally feel like things are starting to happen with my book. I've been very impatient the last few months. Like I feel like I want something to happen. I don't know what something is. I can't articulate what I think is supposed to be happening. But like, it just feels like it should be more exciting. Like things should be happening. It's a long time to wait. Yeah. Yeah. And for some reason, I got it in my head that once we got inside of six months, there would be more going on. And there hasn't been. So now we're at like the three-month mark. And this week, finally, I feel like things are happening. There's a Goodreads giveaway for my book. So if you live in the U.S., you can go on Goodreads. Go enter. And you can enter. You just like go to the page for the book and it's right there. There's just been a lot of emails going around about social media and an influencer gifting. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, things are happening. I feel good. But I also feel like I'm getting into a better place with writing my second book. Olivia is sitting in my living room and there's like all these serial killer sticky notes on the (laughs) wall. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like finally getting my arms around it. You're in a good groove. Yeah, so I'm... I'm pretty high this week. Do you feel like in a way, like I know you're like wanting things to happen, but do you feel like you're like a little more relaxed because there's nothing you can really do like beyond promoting it? No, I feel very anxious. I feel like I'm holding all possibilities in my head right now. Mm -hmm. Of like, it could be a smash success. It could be an epic failure. It could be wah, wah, middle of the road, nothing. And I feel a ton of anxiety about which one it will be. And obviously I can't control it, but I'm like, yeah, I don't know. You can't control it. That's the thing. All you can do is what you've done, which is write a great book and promote it. And all of you can support 
Becca and pre-order the book. If you haven't, do it right now. Thank you. Press pause. Come back to the dragons. Yeah, I don't No, I don't feel calm about it. That's fair. I think anyone would feel that way. What's your low? I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I feel just overwhelmed between, I literally in the last breath said that I'm excited that things are starting to happen. But between travel, I feel like I've been uh, a little bit all over the place physically, between writing my second book, marketing for book one, social plans, self-care, life. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. Well, we'll go drink tonight. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) That's the only thing I can offer you. Can't wait for next week's advice episode (laughs) for more gems like this. (laughs) Um, What about you? What's your low? I don't really have a low, but I have been, this is my second week of going to the gym consistently. And I have not worked out regularly in months and months and months and months. And let me tell you, it's just like never more evident than when you just do those first few weeks of workouts after not working out when just like nothing feels good. You feel like everyone is staring at you. I also haven't had a gym membership in so long. I just was working out at home. So it's just an adjustment. Like I just feel like everything feels awkward, but it also is like really helping my mental health. So I'm glad I'm prioritizing it. But I was just like, man, this used to be so easy. And I just let it all fall by the wayside. But my inner thighs were almost my low. I went to another (laughs) Pilates class on Monday and it's finally better today. Today is Thursday. I have been walking like John Wayne all week because my inner thighs just got murdered. And I do the Pilates with like the reformer. Yeah. 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 I was having some issues walking. Yeah. It's painful. But in like a week, you're going to not be affected by it at all. Probably. Oh, I hope so. I've only been going once a week. I need to when I get back from Maine, I'm going oh, to get a membership. Oh, what does that mean? Do you go every day? No, I want to go like four days a week. I used to be so into Pilates. Like I used to go all the time and I really like that workout. So, Mm -hmm. and I feel like having a physical place to go versus trying to talk myself into either going to the gym or doing it at home, like having that calendar obligation that like I will be charged for if I don't show up is good. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Yeah. Becca did ask me if I wanted to go with her tomorrow and I was like, oh no, no, no. I was just like, are you going to Pilates tomorrow? She's like, oh, do you want to come? I was like, no, just seeing what you're doing tomorrow, but I support it. Thanks. I'm not at Pilates level yet. Give me a few months. I'm not at Pilates Years. level. Decades. <laughs> well, you know what level I am at? Dragon level. <laughs> I was going to say dragons. Yeah, dragon level. <laughs> Tell me about this book. Okay, let's get into the summary. When Violet arrives at Basquiat, a war college for dragon riders, no one thinks that she will make it through the grueling and often deadly process of being chosen by a dragon and becoming a real rider. Even though Violet comes from a family of successful dragon riders, including her mother, who is a general, and her late brother, who died in battle, everyone expects her to become a scribe instead. With the help of some friends, Violet trains hard and eventually wins the favor of not one, but two dragons, one of which is one of the largest and most powerful dragons alive, who just so happens to be mated with the dragon of the one person in Basquiat that Violet has been warned to stay away from. The connection of their dragons plus their own chemistry makes it impossible for Violet to stay away from Zayden, though, and sparks inevitably fly, literally. In the end, though, Violet discovers that nothing about her time at Basquiath or Zayden is what it looked like on the surface. And I just want to let you guys know that was one of the hardest summaries to write and say (laughs) 
that I have ever done for this podcast. So apologies. There's a lot to cover. A lot to cover. It's a, a lot of difficult book. names. There's a lot going on in a fantasy book. There is. Well, maybe let's take a quick ad break. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I think a lot of us can probably relate to experiencing anxiety, but for me, my anxiety tends to always spike in situations when I can't control or predict things. Travel, moving, changing career paths. Being uncertain about what's to come is an unsettling feeling for most people, but you don't have to white knuckle your way through that. Therapy can be a great way to work through all of that uncertainty and change. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and can work with your unique schedule. As I've talked about before, I had to stop working with my therapist when I moved to New York, and I have 100% noticed a difference in my anxiety levels when it comes to the adjustment of moving to a new place and a new home without having that therapist to talk to every week. Honestly, just knowing that you don't have to work through the stress and discomfort of a new, unfamiliar situation on your own can make such a world of difference. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash paper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash paper. Into this book. Into the dragon lair we go. Oh, there's not there's not really a layer in this book. Well, I feel like there's a layer somewhere. We just haven't seen it I yet. I mean, they're staying somewhere. They can't just be roaming. They're not free-range dragons. No, of course not. Well, I picked this book because I got so addicted to it while I was in London. So I've already shouted about how obsessed I was with this book. But you just finished it this week. What are your overall thoughts? My thoughts are that I enjoyed this much more than I anticipated I would. Especially, Wait, so you let me pick this book thinking you would hate it? No, I actually had purchased it when you suggested doing it because I think you saw that I had bought it and you were like, we should do this book because everyone's talking about it. And I was kind of peer pressured into buying it because I was in Vermont. I was in a bookstore with a friend and they were like, this book is amazing. And I was like, I don't know. But then dragons were kind of cool. So anyway, but I wasn't sure. I was skeptical. It's not that I thought I would dislike it. It's just like fantasy is never my thing. So that's so interesting that your favorite <laughs> book is Project Hail Mary, which is space, which is not fantasy. It's science fiction. But then you don't identify as a fantasy person. Are you yeah. also a really big Harry Potter person? No, not at all. But anyway, I really did like it. And I like kind of knew that I would like be into the steamy stuff. But I loved the dragons so much. Like yeah. once it got to that part, I was so into it. And I did have the same experience you did, though, where I thought it was pretty slow in the beginning. But yeah, when did you really start to get into it? So I feel like because it started with her having that trial right away of needing to like cross the, I don't know, that like bridge into the thing. Like I was, I was, was rooting. it a bridge? I could not picture this. I was picturing a spiral into the sky, which makes oh, no, no sense. I was picturing like a really thin stone bridge. That does make more sense. That's the parapet, right? The parapet, that sort of. So I was rooting for her from the beginning. I feel like that was a great way to get me in. But I feel like I fully got invested in the book once her and Zayden started kind of like snipping at each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I see what's going to happen here. <laughs> I feel like that is where I really got in. 
And then by the time the dragons came into it, mm. I was so fucking sold. Yeah. That was the night. Like there was one night when I was in London, we'd come home early. I think somebody didn't feel well. We came home early. I got in bed at like 9.30. And I read from like 9.30 to 3.30 in the morning. And I could have stayed up all night reading it. Like I was like, I kept being like 30 more minutes, 30 more minutes, 30 more minutes. And I was like, you have to put this thing down. Like you have to be somewhere in the morning. Like you're going to ruin your day on vacation because of dragons. I mean, it doesn't sound that bad to me. Yeah, I don't think it's uncommon that fantasy is slow starting because I'm thinking of Akatar, where it's like you yeah. have to establish the mm-hmm. before. And like Akatar was a slow start too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I liked this more than Akatar, though. Did you? No. Oh, interesting. We can talk about the rankings more okay, later. We'll get back into that. But yeah, for me too, the dragons, I was just like, okay, I'm in it. And I think I read like 300 pages like straight through. I love Tarn. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Well, so wait, you read a print copy, right? I feel very like I'm wearing this like a badge. I feel like I have like a rare Picasso or something you I do. found at a thrift store. Uh, that literally I, is what it is. I have one of the original hardbacks with the dragons printed on the side of the pages. And I feel very special. I mean, this book is such a hot commodity if you haven't heard us talk about it. When I was in London, I got this inkling that I wanted to read it. I went to five bookstores. None of them had it. In my head, I was like, oh, it just hasn't come out in the UK yet. No, it had. It's just gone. I don't know how I found it because I think I literally bought it the day before or that day that you're talking about yeah. in Vermont. And it just was the last one. It was right there. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And, and then, then it blew up. And then when I got back to the US, I looked a couple places too. And it's just, it's nowhere. So I feel like, I mean, there must be copies in rotation because it's number seven on the New York Times bestseller list this week on the hardcover list. So like, there are rare copies out there, but it's mm-hmm. sold out on Amazon. Like, I think the Amazon delivery time is late July. They're fully reprinting it. Like, yeah. they're gone. That's crazy. So I did Kindle the first time I read it when I was in London. And then this week, I wanted to kind of refresh for this conversation. So I've been doing the audio, which is a very different <laughs> experience. Wait, I just need you to do the impression of Tarn that you did for me at lunch. I can't. I can't. You so- have to do it. I can't. You must. I can't. So the narrator is very talented. She has a array of different voices, like a lot of different voices. When I first read the book on Kindle, I was very much picturing Violet as like very frail and feeble oh, and delicate. And I was picturing her as like a little angry in her head, but like the narrator of the audiobook had like very disgruntled middle manager energy. Mm. Like real Kathy cartoon put upon energy. Yeah. And I was like, I was fine with it. It was very different than how I read the book in my head when I read the text on Kindle. But then when the dragons came into it. Oh, okay. So do the voice. I didn't do a voice at lunch. I said I couldn't. You did do it. I did it for the the little dragon. No, I think you did it for the big one. I, I can't even begin to do that. So in my head, for Taryn, I was picturing Roy Kent. Like it was, it was absolutely like they all had Scottish names. Mm -hmm. I was picturing like British accent, grumpy Mm -hmm. name. The way I would describe Taryn's voice in the audiobook is like Danny DeVito (laughs) in its always sunny 
in the night man cometh. That changes things. It you know, changes It changes things. the vibe pretty significantly. It is. It was not what I pictured. <laughs> I, I swear to you, I did not do a voice for this at lunch because I can't you even did. begin to imitate this. It was so good. I thought Becca has to do this on the no, podcast. I can't. Did I imagine it? Yeah. No. No, yeah, I couldn't I, imagine I did such the, a thing. I did the little dragon's voice where the little dragon is like very sweet and innocent. It's like, hi, I'm... Then you said it's like dragon tail. Yeah, but I swear to God you said the other one. I didn't. Oh, man. Okay, fine. I didn't and I can't. Fine. But yeah, the audio changed it. I like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how would I would do have well felt. on audio. Also, like, did it work because so much of it is like dialogue that's not being said out loud, which I felt like oh, translated that part was really, fine. But okay, it worked well. Yeah, I just... I don't know how I would have thought about the book if my first experience with it was audio. So I'm curious because I know some of our listeners did the audio, what they thought. Oh, yeah. I'd like to know. Well, wait. My question for you is why do you think this book has gone so crazy viral? So we said it sold out. On Goodreads right now, it has 121,000 ratings. Crazy. And to put that into perspective, I don't think that this is true for this book because of the sellout situation, but I've heard on other like writing podcasts or in writing groups, things like that, that on Goodreads, it's usually like a four to seven X multiplier of how many people have actually bought or read the book because not all readers are on Goodreads. And I don't think that's true for this, as I said, but like that would mean like half a million people have read this book potentially. It's probably true. It and, makes sense with the amount I've been seeing it. And it has a 4.69. I have never seen the internet agree on something like it is agreeing on this book. Like, what do you think it is? Honestly, I think if you had to trace like the beginning of the craziness with this book, I would bet so much money on the fact that it was someone on TikTok that oh, held up this book and it had the dragons. And I've never seen anything like that in a book. And I think people just thought it looked cool. And I, I think that's how it took off. But then I think obviously it's the, I mean, you just want to keep turning the pages. It's like the really great build of tension in the same way that Colleen Hoover books are like, you don't want to put them down. I mean, that's that's what it is, I think. I mean, we'll get into the characters. And I don't think people are like, I love Violet so much. It's like, <laughs> I don't think it's anything about the characters. I don't think it's, no. Well, I do think it's like the forbidden romance enemies slash rivals to lovers between Violet and Zayden, like definitely kept me turning the pages. Mm -hmm. I also thought that the dragon thing was really unique. It wasn't something that I'd read in a fantasy book before, like the communication between them and like that link. And I think that really worked with the romance too. Like I was like, oh, I love this so much. And they were like talking through their minds or whatever. I, I agree. And outside of that, like, I really think that it was just like a textbook, almost like template-based fantasy book. Right. But she made all the right choices and it just worked so well. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I feel like Violet is very much a stock character of, like, the feeble girl who gets thrown into this world. Like, it's the same in Zodiac Academy. Mm -hmm. It's the same in Akatar, And then needs to, like, become brave. Like, it's like a fantasy stock character. And I don't think it's like, I think some characters in books you read and you're like, oh, I relate to X, Y, and Z. Right. I don't think anyone read this and was like, wow, I relate so much to Violet. Like that's not at all the experience of reading this book, I think. Yeah. And the challenges felt very Mm -hmm. template-y and like, I need to go through these trials and then 
Like, yeah, like the Hunger Games. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it is literally very so template, similar but it just, it, to it. Yeah, it worked. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also think there is something to that. Like, I saw a lot of complaints on Goodreads about people criticizing the writing and saying it read like YA. And I think that's like to its benefit. Like, I think it's very crushable. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't require you to think too hard. Mm -hmm. Like, there was some complexity in like the signet powers, but like, it was very easy to understand. It's like, yeah, we're in a war universe. Dragons pick you. Yeah. There are certain books that read like TV to me, like Mm -hmm. in terms of, like you said, it's not super complex. Like, the main thing is that you're engaged. You want to keep reading. And um, I think like this brand of like TikTok famous, but like I think that's the thing they all have in common. It's like people are just getting swept away in the same way they would a really great series. And it's not necessarily about the writing. Yeah. Which is fine. So Baskayeth, the war college that this is set at. <laughs> that I pronounce wrong every single time. <laughs> There are four majors at Baskaya. You can be a scribe, a dragon oh, rider, the healer. an infantry soldier, or a healer. Mm-hmm. Now, which one would you be? Uh, I think I would be a scribe. I mean, let's be honest. I know, me too. I, I, I mean, mean, as cool as the dragons <laughs> were, I'm like, it sounds way too deadly. It like the odds, terrible. The odds are not great. I do not have the core strength, the inner thigh strength. Like, I would be. I don't have the dead. mental willpower. I wouldn't make it through the first challenge honestly yeah I, I as much as it sounds cool to have a dragon I would also be there with you in the scribe quadrant I would like to like communicate with them all the time then but then I was wondering like is her dragon listening while they're like sexting through their brains yeah I mean he can I think he choose he can choose to tune her right, out of course Roy Kent yeah but she like always has this like kind of surly older guy in her brain that's like kind of horrifying kind but of. I also loved Tarn Tarn? Tarn. Tarn. I loved him. What did you think about Violet and like her character arc of like weak and feeble to strong? I really enjoyed the book and I thought she was a good character in terms of like the way that she moved the pace of the story along. But I didn't. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Like my favorite scene in the entire book was when I forget his name. She almost dies, basically. And then Tarn shows up and chooses her. Oh, uh, during the threshing. Yes. Yeah. Like that was the best part. And I thought she was awesome in that whole scene and how she like chose not to. Anyway, but I don't know. I wasn't too attached to her or anything. What about you? Yeah, same. Like I I thought that she was a very stock character of like weak to strong. I thought it was interesting that she was like cunning and Mm -hmm. had her smarts and that was her strength versus I feel like an Akatar. Feyre is kind of a dummy all around. So <laughs> I true. like I did like that she was like smart and academic. The physical stuff wasn't her strength. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you were set up, like you were manipulated into rooting for her from the very first yeah. page because of the parapet yeah. challenge. So it was always on her side. Like I was never like, oh, hope yeah. Violet dies. But like, I agree with you that I didn't feel too much connection. I'm really curious. And we'll talk about this more at the end. So at first I was like, oh, that's kind of cool that there's like a chronic illness representation plot line with her. I'm not convinced that that's what this is. What? With her, with her like <laughs> joints, with her joints falling apart. And I was like, oh, oh it's yeah. yeah, I was like, this is cool that she's like, oh, yeah, has I don't some kind of chronic see that at all. 
chronic illness. And and like the longer I went and it went unexplained, I was like, this is not what this is. I know. I mean, the way I read it was just that she was this person who wasn't cut out for this role, who kind of grew into it. Not like she was like physically. I don't know. She definitely had she definitely had something physically. Well, yeah, now that you say that, I remember reading reviews that said like, oh, like this is such good representation. And I hadn't thought about it now again until you said that. So that shows you how much it was in my mind while reading. This is completely unrelated. But one thing I did really like about her was that from the beginning, she seemed very like, I don't know how to say this, like sexually empowered. Like, I think there's oh, yeah, a way it, this could have gone where she was like kind of infantilized almost. And like, oh, I, oh my gosh, Zayden, I've never seen a guy before or whatever. But instead... I don't know. It was like very empowering. Well, that was a hallmark of the universe. Like from the very <laughs> beginning, it was like, this is a horny universe. <laughs> oh, it has like, to be. In Zodiac Academy, it's like, this is a bully universe. Like yeah. we, like only the strong survive. Yeah. And here it was like, you might not have a tomorrow. So this is a horny <laughs> universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everyone was very sexually empowered. I will say I was shocked when I found out how old they were. And I think it's because of the writing but how much how old she's are they? 20 and Zayden is 23. And I was like, in my mind, she's 18. Yeah, I was she like has 16, to be, 18. <laughs> but like, honestly, if you take the sex out of it, I would have been like, oh, she's 16. Yeah, it was like Hunger Games. Like it was like, right. yeah, she's 16. Yeah. I was shocked when I found out how old they were. I was like, oh, wow. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it definitely does read young, I think, until you get to the not so young <laughs> sex. Sure. <part>. Sure. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. So. Yeah. Somebody was asking me, I was trying, I keep trying to pitch this book to everyone in my real life with no success. <laughs> and somebody was like, oh, is it like a love triangle thing? And I was like, nah. I think I said really. that when I first started reading because I was like, oh, Dane. And then there's this other guy. And then I realized, mm. did you ever feel like Dane was no, a he was horrible. viable love he interest? He was literally horrible. I hated him so much. I mean, please tell me you felt the same way. He was the worst. Oh, he was the worst. He was so, like, he was babying her. To be fair, <laughs> when I was re-listening to it, I was like, he's probably right. Like, her bones <laughs> keep falling apart. She shouldn't be doing this. Like, this is, like, That's this true. is a Not very risky I'm like, thing. she wasn't the healer a lot. In my mind, she just, like, sucked at the dragon writing. I mean, he was probably right. Obviously, yeah. because it's her story and, like, this is a book. Yeah. He's wrong, but I was like, I mean, guy has a like, point. If I decided to take up like BMX riding and Jake was like, probably not the right choice for you. I mean, would I be offended? Maybe. Oh, the way he would he be right? Yes. The way he communicated it though. Oh, oh no. like I just horrible. wanted to like wring his neck the whole time. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Like there was no point where I was like, maybe you and Dane should get together. Like from like the minute he appeared on the page, I was like, hate this guy. Do you know who I kept picturing him as? Who? Dean from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> <laughs> like same energy, same mannerisms. Oh, maybe it's the name. Like wet towel energy. Yeah, like maybe I wouldn't be surprised if Rebecca Yaros was like, yeah, he's literally based on Dean. Like it's the same. Okay. And then Zayden is kind of like. Who were you picturing for Jess. Zayden? Because I, at Zayden? no point in this book could I figure out what this man looked like. Like when he first came onto the page, I was like, oh, he's like a hot black guy. And then I was like, Oh no, I don't I don't know if that's right. And like every time he was described, I was like, I have no idea what this guy looks like other than the fact that he has like a <laughs> fucking ripped six pack. 
From the neck down, I picture him extremely clearly. From the neck up, anything could be happening. Like he could literally have a like a like, cyclops a, a horse head, and I'd be like, oh, like truly, I have no idea. You're right. Like I don't even know if he has dark hair. I think he has dark hair and light eyes, but. Yeah, well, I thought I he was know. described as black, but then it was like his silky hair. And I was like, OK, maybe not. Huh. And like every time she described him, I was like, what does he look like now? I'm going to Google this. Zayden fan art. <laughs> <laughs> I'm showing Becca this anime. <laughs> he looks very angry. I'll say that for him. I guess I kind of pictured something like that, like a. I pictured nothing like, like that. Tall, She's showing tall, me a picture of like a vague model esque guy with like floppy hair. He's not that guy either. That guy <laughs> looks you like Google Zayden that fan guy. Art, looks let me tell like, you, it brings you to a strange place. Kind of like Jack Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what he looked like. Did you like him as a character though? I mean, I thought he was sexy, but like, I wasn't like charmed. Oh, by I him. was into it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I was, like, into, I was it. into it. But I wasn't like, wow, like, I'm in love with you. I was just like, you're hot. Yeah, but he had like that alpha male energy where he was like, then right. protecting her. I thought it was really smart that the reason he was protecting her was because their fates were bound together. So it wasn't, I felt like it was believable in Enemies to Lovers, mm-hmm. where it was like, well, we're stuck together, so now I need to keep you alive so I stay alive. I did like that. I, I did liked like that. that a lot. Yeah. And then when we got into his backstory about how oh, yeah. he like took the punishment for all of the kids of the rebellion, I was like, oh yeah, I like this guy. I love the like the specificity of the trope of I don't know why this is in every like I feel like every romance film, but like the man has mysterious scars on their back and they're laying in bed after sex, and the woman is like what are these scars? I think they're beautiful. Like, why is that a scene that has played out in like every romance that I've ever read? I feel like. Because all of these men are like non-communicative. So there needs to be a a physical symptom of their trauma. I know you're not going to tell me what's happened to you. So, but like something has happened to you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There can be someone right there, like thesis on this and like you're, it's an English major or something because there's something there. I was super into their romance. Like, that scene where the mm-hmm. this the, is so silly. Where the this, room. this scene where the dragons were having sex and then like telegraphing <laughs> their lust to them and then like they were horny for each other, but he was like, I can't. And I was like, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I was so I was shipping them like real fucking hard. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Yeah, same, same. Um, can I tell you my number one pet peeve with this book that enraged me? Yeah. His nickname for her. Violence? I liked it. I thought oh, it was cute. I hated it. I hated it. Well, okay, look. It was used so much that I thought it was too much. Like oh, once or cute. twice. Oh, I hated it so much. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. It also highlighted the contrast between how he viewed her versus how Dane viewed her, who we all right. agree we hate Dane. Yeah, Dean. <laughs> In my mind, I see him literally wearing like the the apron from the grocery store in Gilmer's girls. Like I say, oh, <laughs> Oh, my God. I hate him. So was that scene your favorite in the book, do you think? The, no, um, I, I agree that the threshing. Scene? No, the threshing scene was the best scene when she got picked by the two dragons. Oh, that was so good. When everyone was like, and oh, my God, she got her head, and I was like two dragons. And then they all fly away and they have to like discuss. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. As a gra- dragon group. Oh, yeah. I was in it. That was the deepest I was, like, in the story. And I was like, I got to keep reading. Me too. And the, when the dragon was, like, really grumpy mm-hmm. but also nice and, like, helped her get on its back, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm melting. Which, well, I guess we'll talk about it when we talk about Akatar comparisons because I have some thoughts there. Well, let's take another quick ad break before we talk about the best part, the dragons. So I recently saw a discussion in the Facebook group about whether or not the Cozy Earth joggers are actually worth it. And and they are. (laughs) And everyone chimed in. But yes, I want to say they really are. And I feel like I know that more than ever now in the summer months because, I mean... Everyone loves a pair of sweatpants or lounge pants in the fall and winter. But then when it gets hot, like sometimes the fleece becomes too much. Anyway, these are both warm and breathable. I just can confirm that for all of you. And I was skeptical because we don't have air conditioning in my house, but I can confirm they are great for all seasons, no matter where you live or what you like to wear. They're just the best. I mean, like maybe not in like Miami in the middle of summer. Well, no. I mean, you basically have to be naked if you were in Florida in the summer. So I have talked about Cozy Earth Loungewear being my go-to airport uniform. And I saw someone in the Facebook group say that they've been wearing them when they travel as well, which I love. And the best part about the joggers specifically is that they don't look too much like pajamas and they have shape and structure to them while still feeling cozy. And they never wrinkle or they never like stretch out. So you don't get on the plane looking one way and get off looking like a sack of trash. It's true. And after the dozen or so times that I've washed them, they still look exactly the same in terms of their shape, which is great. I also have tried and really loved Cozy Earth's bedding, which I think they're kind of famous for. If you're looking for sheets that are really cool to the touch, these are such a great choice. They're made from viscose from bamboo, and they're also approved by Oprah, who described them as the softest ever. They also have a great warranty and a 100-night return policy, which really you cannot beat anywhere, I don't think. If you want to try Cozy Earth's bedding or loungewear, we have great news for you. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can take 35% off site-wide at CozyEarth.com when you use the code BOP. Again, that's CozyEarth.com with code BOP for 35% off. Dragons. 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 Let's talk about the dragons. Please. What did you think about them? Were you skeptical? Were you hesitant? Are you totally in it now? I loved them. I thought it was really unique. I mean, obviously, I feel like it had a slight Game of Thronesian callback with the dragons. I feel like it was unique, though. Like in most fantasy novels, I feel like people have elements or powers mm-hmm. or something. And like this was it being channeled through the dragons, at least from the fantasy books I've read, felt really unique. I loved the mind communication. I thought that was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I loved the dragon's personalities. Like, I perhaps love the dragon's personalities more than the people's personalities. Yeah, same. Actually, yes, 100%. Like, I loved Taryn and Seagal's story and that they Mm -hmm. were a mated pair and, like, hearing about their history of, like, their past writers. And, like, Mm -hmm. I loved him also being, like, the alpha of all the other dragons and like that the dragons had their own hierarchy. And then I was fascinated by Andarna. Did you see it coming that she was a baby? It's not that I saw it coming. I just was like, oh, I didn't really know how it mattered. Like I was like, cool. That's like a nice little detail that I didn't necessarily expect. But it wasn't like I was like, oh my God, this is huge. Oh, I feel like I saw it coming when she like showed up that she was a baby. Yeah. 
but I'm like fascinated about the life stages of dragons. <laughs> like I just feel like the dragon part of this was fascinating. Some CGI artist somewhere is like, please, please put me let in me, for this. Let job. me at it. Let me at it. Oh yeah, I thought the dragons were fantastic. I also really loved them. I loved them so much more than I expected to because it sounds so cheesy when you're like, hey, yeah. read this book about dragons with mind communication. You're like, okay. It's like when I tell people to read Remarkably Bright Creatures and I'm like, the main character is an octopus who communicates <laughs> with you. The narrator is an octopus, but just trust me. But no, I loved it. And I feel like I was really surprised by how invested I was in that aspect of it. Because like with Akatar, I enjoyed reading it a lot. And I like, of course, loved all the steamy stuff. But like, I couldn't tell you a single goddamn thing that happened. <laughs> like in terms of the wars or like the, the well, fighting. Like I have no clue. I think, and we'll get into this. I think that world and I think the worlds that Sarah J. Moss creates are by and large much more complicated and hard to remember right. and understand. And non-human. And non-human than this, which was very simple to understand. It was yeah. like, there are humans... They're always at war. Yeah. They're out of war college. They have dragons. Because of their dragons, they manifest a power. And I was like, great, great, great. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Did yeah. you like that? Once they got magic, one of the common magics that they could do was use a pen. I thought that was, was really it? funny. Yeah. It was like you had to use a quill until you had magic and then you could use a pen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I liked the guy who would he manifested his powers and then just immediately was killed. Oh, my God. Could, like, read people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> just like dead right there. I saw a few complaints I said earlier about the quality of the writing on Goodreads. Did that bother you? Did it take you out of it? So I saw that too. And the only thing that stuck in my mind while reading was someone complained that there's a lot of cursing, which oh. I have no problem with like from a moral or like quality standpoint, but it did seem a little bit repetitive to me in parts. Like there was a lot of times where Violet would be like, fuck that, like, fuck, period, that, period. And it happened like a dozen times. And I was like, there's a different, there's a different series of words we could have used there. And it would just, because it stood out, I guess it seemed repetitive. But like, I mean, yeah, I think it reads a little younger or like more simple, but that's like why it's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different skill set that the author is clearly incredible at. So, I mean, I can understand the argument. Yeah. But I didn't think it was a hindrance. So the writing didn't bother me at all. Like, I think that type of Hunger Gamesian writing that is just, like, so fast and easy to read is really great. And I feel like because the new adult category collapsed and now we have just, like, YA and adult, like, I feel like... Yeah. I don't know. I like fantasy that's in this mm -hmm. realm. The one thing I will say on the writing is, like, she put flashing bright lights around so many of the reveals. She was like, and Jack Barlow is allergic to oranges. Did you know he's allergic to oranges? He's allergic to oranges. I, those, I noticed that thing. Too. And you're like, okay, <laughs> so she's going to kill him using oranges. Like there were a bunch of times where it was like, yeah, we... I mean, you're reading for the plot. Like, exactly. Let's, let's be honest. Exactly. Like, it, that's what it is. And it takes such an incredible writer to write a plot like that. So, you know. Not for everyone, probably, but it's for most people. It didn't ruin it. I was like, okay, great. She's going to she's gonna poison Jack Barlow with oranges. There were a couple of things that I was like, strange that an editor let that stay in. But like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Whatever. that's just me. Who cares? What did you think of the ending? Okay. I saw some people saying on Goodreads that they were like, I knew from the beginning. And I was like, I was fucking shocked. On the last page when her brother walks in and he's like the leader of the rebellion, I was like, 
I'm sorry, what? Have you seen all of Hunger Games? Yeah. Okay, so it's like very similar to something that happens in that, right? Isn't it like Liam, I almost said Liam Neeson. Um, Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, Liam Hemsworth is like alive and he's like leading the rebellion. Anyway, my point is that there's a scene in the Hunger Games where she like wakes up and it's like, welcome to the rebellion, Cadmus. Right. End movie. <laughs> like, it is, but I did not see that the brother was alive. No, I didn't either, but I feel like I should have, which is oh, the best I, kind of twist in my Yeah, opinion. no, it was great. I was so shocked. I was also shocked that like Zayden was actively in the rebellion while he was at this college. Like I was just, I was shocked by so much mm-hmm. in a great way. What did you think of when she was like, <laughs> at the end, if I understood this correctly, because I was kind of speeding through, I was falling asleep last night, but um, she was like, okay, yeah, the rebellion, but like, we're not together anymore. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't really buy that. I guess I kind of glossed over it. I didn't really. Oh, really. Maybe I misread it or something. I'll have to go check before we publish this episode. I guess they had to like leave them on a kind of cliffhanger yeah. too, of course. But I was like, I don't know. You just like literally had sex 12 times in like the last five oh, well, hours. So, so I think you're going to still be together. One of my concerns in this book series is that because her and Zayden got together, they're obviously so meant to be, is that like if this series is going to be five or six books, mm-hmm. we're going to have to pull them apart. And is she going to have to get together with Dane at some point? Oh, mm. Because, like, we haven't really, like, Liam at one point, I was like, oh, okay, he could be a viable second this love interest, but like he's a dead. Games thing because you have Liam Hemsworth's character, Gail, and then Peta. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know, but I'm like, oh, one's a good. Yeah. I feel like Dane's so awful that I'm like, that might make me throw the book across the room if it she ever gets how hot together. They make with him, him in the movie, really. Will be. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. What are you, like, dying to know about in the next book? Do you have any predictions? Um, I just want more dragons. Okay. I want more dragons talking to each other, more dragon drama. I loved like the history of the dragons. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that would be it. Like, I wasn't so interested in the rebellion. Like, I wasn't like really invested in the, like, where is this going to go? I mean... Well, they need external plot to like keep it going. Right, of course. I like understand this like, purpose. The whole I'm... plot is like getting through the war college. So <laughs> something needs to happen. At the end when they were like having sex or whatever. And it, literally it's like the 12th time or whatever. And they're like, someone knocks on the door and he's like, not now. And it's like, we're at war. And I was like, God damn it. I'm like, really? Come on. Just keep the scene going. <laughs> like we really have to go into war and break up this nice steamy scene. But anyway, I mean. I don't know. What are you looking forward to reading? Okay, so I need to know why she has silver hair. There's clearly a reason she has silver hair. yeah, I forgot about that. I also need to know about her health issue and, like, what that is. I have, like, a prediction. I don't know that I'm right, but, like, I feel like the reason that her bones and joints are so wonky is because eventually she's going to manifest some second power where she can, like, split in half or something. Hmm. I think that makes sense, too, because also when, like, it turned out to be the lightning wielding, I was like, yeah, okay. that's a stupid power. <laughs> like, who cares? Mind reading would have been, well, I guess it's like, you get killed illegal. For that. But I was thinking it was going to be something like super. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I wonder something else. If once Andarna is a full dragon, oh, right. if she'll get a second power, because I hope so. It sounds like the time stopping thing, which also was very cool. Mm hmm. When that happened, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I think the time-stopping thing is implied that it will go away when she becomes an adult. So I'm also super curious what's going to happen to Andarna because it was implied that while Violet was unconscious that 
and Darda got huge. And I'm like, what color is she? Is she True. special? Like, what's her power thing? Yeah. What's her deal? I liked her. I do too. So I really want to know what's going to happen there. And I also want to know what's going to happen because like she was kind of the secondary dragon because she couldn't fly fast enough. So like what happens when you have two dragons and they're both like equal? Like does Taryn retire? Does like what happens? Well, I mean, I think so he, I, I think Taryn is going to die. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I think so. Not in book two, maybe in book five or six. He's either going to die in book two or it's going to end with like he might be dead. Maybe, but I think that there's going to be at least a couple books where, I don't know, like she splits herself in half. She like, mm-hmm. wh- whatever this thing is that she's like control of both dragons in battle. Well, that would be interesting if she's with Dane and then Zayden and it could get weird. And then I want to know what the brother's deal is and like where he's been all this time and like oh, yeah. why he's in the rebellion. And then it seems like I found the last like maybe 100 pages pretty confusing. I think it was intentional yeah. with like the Worven and the Griffins. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who now? What now? Oh, yeah. I was like, what is this thing? So I think like in the second book, they're obviously it's going to be like the way that they understand the magic system is completely false. And so I'm like curious to know what the real magic system is. Yeah. Yeah. It was very confusing. I think I it was intentionally confusing because yeah. it was like the Worven take magic the from the That's sky weird word. from the from the air. Versus like they take it from dragons and they were like, I was like, I don't, I don't understand this. So I feel like there's going to be like a whole different magic system. Yeah. Than what we got here. Although I'd like them to keep it simple. Me too. So how would you compare this to Agatar? We talked about it a little bit, but also Throne of Glass, Crescent City and Zodiac Academy, most of which I haven't read. Okay. So I think that Agatar is still my number one. I think this could become number one in time as it goes on. Like, I think it has all the makings. Pressure's on. But I feel like right now, at the end of book one, Akatar is still number one for me. I feel like this is my number two. Mm. And then Zodiac Academy, Crescent City, Throne of Glass. Okay. We're going to have to ask uh, listeners to rank these. Yeah, we will. I think, like, Throne of Glass has, like, one and a half dud books, in my opinion. So it gets really good, but like, this is a good from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Zodiac Academy is too long. It is very long. It's too long. Crescent City is too confusing. Like, I think that like, Akatar is my personal perfect fantasy series. And I think this is like number two. And I could see them being neck and neck. That's pretty Like, it has the romance elements. Good. I love the dragons. Like, I'm like, yeah. All right. Book two. Are you going to read the second book? Are you going to read the future books? We were talking about this at lunch, but with Akatar, I read the first one and I really, or maybe I read the first and second one. I don't know. I really liked it, but I wasn't like, if I don't read the next one next, it's going to kill me. Like I, We are very different people. I know. <laughs> I know. But I don't know why that is. Maybe it's like the characters or something. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, I think I would probably read it, especially because it's coming out around Halloween and fall. Mm. And... I've been saying this from the moment I saw this book, but the dragon pages, like if that had been released in October, it would have done so much better. <laughs> I don't know Obviously, what better could, is. I know, I'm kidding. It couldn't have done much better. But anyway, I think I'm going to be in the mood for something like fantasy-ish then. So I probably would. But I'm not going to be like up at night for the next six months being like, what is going on with Brennan? Like, I, I don't care that much. But I, I am interested in the spicy scenes. So I'll check it out. Okay. 
You're going to be first in line. I'm going to be first in line. Yeah. I already have it pre-ordered. You probably like, already have it in here somewhere. They oh, probably... if somebody wants to send it to me, like, Although, please. Although I was telling Becca, I saw, I was stalking the author on Instagram a little bit and someone commented something about the next book and she's like, oh, you wouldn't want to see it right now. I'm still in edits. And this was like a week ago, a week and a half ago, maybe. This is really worrying to me. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh my God. It's coming out six months after the first book. You know, she could have had them all like roughly written and is now just editing it. But I'm like, it makes me really worried that they're putting too much time pressure to get the next one out and it's going to suck. I really hope that's not the case because I feel like this has something like really magical about it. Mm -hmm. Pun not intended. (laughs) That I just I really don't want to see them botch this because of speed. I don't think they will because the elements that people love about it will be there regardless. Yeah, but it. Like fantasy books are so complex. Like I'm just like I can't imagine. I mean, I think I if can't they imagine try to make writing it one of these complex, books. Like you were saying, I think it will be bad. But like I can't imagine writing one of these books in six months. No, I think I've said from the beginning that this was originally one book and they split it into two because they were like, we need the next Akatar. This is it. Okay. We're gonna milk okay. it for all it's worth. Okay. Yeah, I hope it's good. I think it will be. What do you think is the best time to read a fantasy series? Do you think it's to read it as it releases or do you think it's to read it once all the books are out? Hmm. I think, I don't know. Because I read Akatar when all of it was already out and I wasn't like compelled to keep going. I think my ideal scenario for reading these would be like, I have all the books. I'm in a room. Like, <laughs> I'm in a room. I'm in a oh, cabin. For a week. <laughs> I'm in a cabin for a week because I feel like otherwise I get too distracted and then I forget and then it's hard to get back into it. Mm. Um, I don't know if that really answers the question, but what do you think? I think both of them suck for their own reasons. (laughs) It sucks to be in it on the ground floor because then you have to wait. And then especially like with Crescent City, when the second one came out, I was like, it was two years. I was like, I have forgotten Everything. I'm not rereading yeah, like this thousand page book. At all. I can tell you anything other than fairies. So it's so hard to like keep the momentum. Mm-hmm. And then if you read it all once it's out, there's so much in the book that becomes repetitive because they're trying to remind mm-hmm. you. And also, yeah. like with when I was reading Zodiac Academy, it was too much. Like it was like That's I want to know what happens, but it's like sixty thousand pages of yeah. That's so, books. so much. That's not how many pages it was, but it, like it basically, basically. <laughs> so I feel like they both suck. I think honestly, like the right move might be like three out of five books are out. So mm-hmm. you're like still kind of in it and you can like binge three, mm-hmm. then jump in four and then you wait for five. Yeah. I don't know. I also think like I actually never read the Hunger Games books. I just was like very into the movies. But I love reading a book like right before the movie comes out. Oh, I read all three Hunger Games books the same day. Oh, wow. Like once they were out. See, that's a perfect reading experience. I yeah. Think. Like that's so fun. Yeah. That's the way to go. I feel like you are very fascinated with this author. And I need you to just <laughs> regale us with what you've learned. Oh, well, she has six children, I mm-hmm. think, which is incredible. She's written, I think it's more than 15 books. I think it's over 20. Which is incredibly impressive on its own, let alone when you also have six children. Military family. Military family, which checks out. And then I was looking at some of the other things she's written. Lots of like 
very kind of traditional romance, I guess. Yeah, like like shirtless guy on the cover romance. Exactly. And so it fascinates me because I don't know, can you just imagine like writing for so long, decades, and having this career and then doing something totally different and your life explodes? Like it's just so cool to me that writing can be like that. This woman has to be printing money with how many of these books are selling. And also that it's going to be a five book series. Like this is going to fundamentally change oh, yeah. oh, their yeah. lives. Oh yeah, definitely. But I haven't really seen any interviews with her and I'd be really curious to know what it's been like for her because I can just imagine that it's like surreal. Should we invite her on? Should we be the first interview? Oh yeah, let's do it. What if it's like, don't meet your heroes? What if it's awful? It could be interesting. I don't know. All right, we'll look into it. I have a lot of questions. I mean, she's got to finish this book before November. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> oh, man. Should we get out of this book and into some end matter? Yes. All right, Olivia. What are you obsessed with this week? I am very obsessed with this new thing I found, ironically, on TikTok. It's called the One Sec app, and it's a little bit complicated to install, but you download it and essentially it lets you set up this thing for different social media apps where when you open the app, it it sounds so stupid, but it makes you take a deep breath. And so it does this very sort of like satisfying like vibration thing. And then after you do that, it says this is the whatever fourth time you've opened TikTok today. Do oh, you, no. Do you still want to keep going? <laughs> oh, no. And I swear to God, I've never had an easier time of staying off an app in my life. I'm like, nope, I don't want to go back. And I'm getting this like weird high of like not seeing the number go up. But then you can also be like, oh, I do want to go on TikTok. And so it makes it more thoughtful. Exactly. And you can also do tons of different things with the app. Like you can set times where it kind of like prompts you whether you really want to go on or not, like in the morning, like an hour after you wake up or whatever. Anyway, I love it. Okay. I'll show it to you. I can't describe the thing it does, but it like, it makes your phone vibrate in this weird way. And it's like very soothing. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah, I really love it. What's your obsession? Oh, so I bought new jean shorts. And I feel like for the past few years, I keep buying jean shorts and I don't actually love any of them. Like, I'm like, these are fine. They're so hard to find. So hard to find. So I found a pair that I really love and they're from The Gap. They're the five-inch girlfriend shorts. Oh. And I have them in like the medium blue wash. I would say they probably run like one size big. Okay. I think that's always and they're better really, for jean shorts. Yeah. And they're really stretchy. And they do stretch out a little mm, bit as you okay. wear them. I haven't washed mine yet, so I don't know how they wash. I really like them. I think they're like $65 regular price. But, you know, like Gap, everything's always on sale. So mm-hmm. I feel like... I don't know. I had some Gap cash, which I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's from the year 1998. Yeah, it literally is. I was like, I, I haven't shopped at the Gap in a long time. I And I, I ended up... good stuff on Gap. They ended up being $24. So oh, like nice. with discounts and whatever, like yeah. you can get them much cheaper. And I really like them. Okay. Good to know. And they're long enough? Yeah, I feel like they're the perfect length. Yeah. Like they're not too short, but they're also not too long where you're like, like Bermuda shorts. <laughs> yeah. Like, where you're like, I'm 80. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. That sounds perfect. Highly recommend. Good. Fine. Um, what about on the reading front? Well, I finished two things, but we're recording two episodes today. So I'm splitting them spread up. About. And one of them was fourth wing, which you've already just heard me talk about for an hour. Mm-hmm. What did you read? 
I debated whether I wanted to talk about this because I don't know Ooh. that I netted out positively on it. But I, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a book club episode. We're all friends here. I read the book Bad Summer People by Emma Rosenblum, and it takes place on Fire Island, and it's in like a wealthy enclave, and it's about like the families that go there from the summer. I would describe it as it's multi-POV from all different points of view in the town. And I guess it's nominally about like in the first chapter, a body's discovered and it's like, who was the person who died and like, did somebody kill them? I would describe it as an Ellen Hildebrand book if everyone in the book was just a truly terrible person and had just been like, well, I'm flawed, might as well go with it. (laughs) And like had an awareness of how bad they were too. Like the people are deeply bad. It's very soapy. The writing kind of reminded me of like crazy rich Asians, if that's something you like. Mm -hmm. I was devouring it. So I read it really fast and I was like needed more. But like the people in it were so bad that I was like, oh my God, like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know. Like, I read it really quickly. It was entertaining. But like, do I recommend it? I don't know. Well, fair. I felt like that about a lot of books. So that's where I'm at. We officially have a July listener pick book club pick for you. We're going to be reading Same Time Next Summer by Annabelle Monahan, which I'm so excited about because I have declared this the book of the summer. It's true. She has. So I'm excited to be on the forefront and for us to talk about it. It's a romance about a woman who goes to the Long Island beach town where she grew up summering and she goes there to plan her wedding and she runs into the boy next door who was her first love. And I think if you liked every summer after of that, like second chance love story, teen lovers to adults, like you'll love this. So we'll talk about that the last Wednesday in July. I want to talk about Fourth Wing with you in the Facebook group. So please come chat with us there. We're on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Olivia Mentor. And final reminder, if you want to enter a Goodreads giveaway to win an advanced copy of my book, head to the Goodreads page for the Christmas Orphans Club. And you can enter right below the book cover photo. And it's open through, I think it's open through like mid-July. There's 35 copies. Go do it. Go do it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) We still don't know how to end an episode. (laughs) 